Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year. Hope you're enjoying that process too, because if you've never read the entire Bible, it's so worth reading and again and again, and then you'll get addicted to just reading the entire thing. You won't be satisfied anymore with just pulling out little tiny verses because you'll realize that's like you have this amazing, you know, sandwich and you just pull out the little piece of lettuce and eat that. Oh my goodness, when you could take a bite of the whole sandwich and get everything all together, you get all the flavors. It's amazing. Um, so today we're covering Nehemiah 1 through 2, starting that book, and then Hebrews 9. Okay, Hebrews. Remember, I say Hebrews, put on your thinking cap because it could certainly be a brain twister. Sometimes you're reading it and you're wondering, wait, is this after Jesus died? Wait, am I in the Old Testament? Because he, the author talks like, like the Old Testament writers. So you sometimes wonder, am I in the Old Testament? And, but it, and then at the same time, it's like, you go back and, what did he, what did I just read? How did, the, I'm telling you, it's, it's fun. If you like that kind of thing, um, um, definitely read it because you have to. And then what you don't understand, and if you don't want to go deep, um, don't avoid the reading. Just simply go, okay, well, that didn't make any sense. And then find the little gold nugget out of that chapter. Or just be satisfied that you read it. Um, because the first section of, okay, if I were to summarize, what is the gold nugget from chapter nine of Hebrews? It's basically how Jesus, um, is the final sacrifice. So if you ever wonder why do we do, um, communion with the bread and the, the wine, why do we do that? Read chapter nine. Totally makes sense. Um, the gold nugget is that Jesus is, um, the final sacrifice for our sins and, Yeah, that's the gold nugget. But if you were to dig deep, the first section of chapter 9, that's where you're reading. Wait, am I reading the Old Testament? Because it's talking about how there was separation. There's the holy place and and then the curtains, um, the tabernacle, and it's going into detail. And then it's talking about how, and Actually, when I'm done here, I'm going to go a little deeper into this section because it did say, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a mark. Oh, they're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonies. So he's talking about the sacrifices that people brought but the part that puzzled me is that if you think about the Old Testament, you just think that they were rituals. They weren't actually rituals. It had something to do with the conscience, conscious mind and repentance and the heart. Oftentimes, so, so what's the significance of that? Well, oftentimes in church or in your life, you're doing rituals. And you think, well... I get the benefits. I'm doing the rituals. In many sense, yes, because there are principles, you know, the law of laws. But does it actually change you? Does it actually change your consciousness? Does it actually, um, yeah, change your heart, change your consciousness? <laughs> I'm personally going to go deeper into this because I'm like, whoa, I love the concept of the mind and the consciousness. I've never actually seen it in the Bible. Now, I guess in other um, Bible uh, versions, 
Maybe it doesn't say consciousness. I'm curious what it does say. So anyways, yes, as you can tell, I'm a little bit stumped by that one. I'm going to go deeper. But what's the next part? The next part of this chapter is the blood of Christ. So read that. It's so good. It describes in detail doing the comparisons of how they did sacrifices and Jesus's role. Instead of just knowing that it's true, read this chapter so that you can embed it in your mind and your heart and you understand it. So good. Um, Okay, so it's talking about Jesus, how he entered the most holy places once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. And then it makes a comparison of the blood in the, of the goats and the bulls, how you had to do that frequently. But with Jesus, um, he only had to do it one time. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the, who th- who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse cleanse our conscience consci- conscious conscious conscience conscience from acts that lead to death okay cleanse our conscience that lead to acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living god for this reason christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance Wow! Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Wow, 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 double wow. Um, Moving down to verse 24. For the Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Da 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 da. So good. Um, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priests enter the holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So good. So good. That was the end of Hebrews 9. I read a lot and it's worth digging in because it's just so powerful. Okay, let's move on to Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1. So we're starting the book of Nehemiah. You know, the book is called Nehemiah, so you would think that the author is Nehemiah. However, when I was looking like, who's the author? They say it might have been Ezra. I don't know why they don't just say it was Nehemiah. There must be a reason. They say it was Ezra. They also think that Ezra might have written First and Second Chronicles. That would make sense. Because when you got to know Ezra in the book of Ezra, you're like, yeah, he's a pretty smart guy. He could have easily written First and Second Chronicles, especially since he wrote it while he was in Babylon. And I kind of think he did because he was so eager to go back to Jerusalem. So, yep. Okay. And he knew so much, right? Okay. So it's possible he wrote this. But then why is it called Nehemiah? So they suspect that he wrote it, but he got it from the memoirs of Nehemiah. 
All right, that works for me. In the first chapter of Nehemiah, he hears about the people who went back to Jerusalem. And he hears about, um, is it, I question them about the Jewish remnants. Oh, he's talking about the remnants. Oh, it's not the people who went back, but it's the people who are left, the remnants that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burnt with fire. When I heard this, which is why you think Nehemiah wrote it, because he says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and then he basically is interceding for the people, the remnants, crying out to the Lord, praying for their safety, praying that God, even though they've done terrible things or just keep them safe. Um, he acknowledged the fact that they are not, we have not been obedient to the laws of Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will, sc-. okay, so he's, yep, he's quoting, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled people, so that's what he's doing at the end of the chapter. Um, He's just telling, he's interceding. He's saying, look, they're your servants. Have mercy on them. Guard them, protect them, and give them success. So that was Nehemiah. Oh, (laughs) I forgot to read Nehemiah chapter two. Okay, I'm going to read that one, and then I'll give you my two cents. So chapter two, Nehemiah, he's so downhearted that the king sees him. So he must work in the king's court. The king sees him and says, hey, never seen you so downhearted before. Oh, no, no. <laughs> if it <laughs> May the king live forever. Why should you, my face not look sad? Oh, when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed. Oh, but he prayed to God. <laughs> he also prayed to God. Oh, so then the king said to him, what is it you want? And, and then he prayed to the God of the heavens and, answer, and I answered. And he basically in detail said, I want to go back and rebuild the wall. I want to go back to my hometown and the king let him go and he says oh by the way I need some letters so that I'm safe on my journey so that the people know that this came from you and the king said sure (laughs) so Nehemiah's over there inspecting all the ruins in Jerusalem he's just inspecting all that has been destroyed Wow, 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 wow. So there you go. That was um, Nehemiah 1 and 2 and Hebrews 9. All right, everyone. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.